AFF on Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day and welcome to episode 77 of AFF On Air. It's the 5th of February 2022. One of the biggest concerns that Australians have about going overseas at the moment, understandably, is catching COVID-19 while away and getting stuck somewhere. Unfortunately, this happened recently to one of our Australian Frequent Flyer Forum moderators, Bill McCubbin, who you may know on the forum as Straitman. Bill recently caught COVID in Fiji. He's since recovered and returned to Australia this week, and in this episode, I'll talk to Bill about his experience. Also coming up in this episode, how to earn Chris Flyer gold status until 2025 by transferring points from your credit card. It's a great deal, but you do only have until the end of this month to take advantage of it. That's coming up, but first, let's begin with a roundup of the latest Australian airline travel and loyalty program news from the past fortnight. And despite easing international travel restrictions for those outside of Western Australia anyway, Qantas and Virgin have scaled back their international schedules for the coming months. Qantas has just pushed back the relaunch of its flights from Sydney to Santiago, which were scheduled to resume from the end of March, now until at least October. And flights from Brisbane to Los Angeles with Qantas are now scheduled to resume from April. Bizarrely, Qantas is now planning double daily Brisbane to Los Angeles flights from May, with one of the daily westbound Los Angeles to Brisbane flights departing at 10 o'clock in the morning and flying to Brisbane during daylight hours, which is unusual timing for a Trans-Pacific flight. This month's planned resumption of Qantas flights to San Francisco has also been pushed back, but Qantas will go ahead with resuming its Sydney to Dallas-Fort Worth flights later this month as planned. Qantas had resumed flights from Sydney to Hawaii over December and January, but this route is now suspended until the end of March due to a lack of demand with passengers rebooked on other airlines. Virgin Australia has also recently suspended all of its services to Nandi, which is its only international destination at the moment until at least mid-March. And Qantas too has cut back on some of its own flights from Sydney to Nandi. To top it off, Qantas has also had to cut back some of its flights to India over recent weeks. But it's not all bad news for Australian travellers. Emirates has just brought back its Airbus A380 onto the Melbourne to Dubai route, marking the first regular A380 service out of Melbourne since the pandemic and a nice upgrade also for Emirates passengers travelling out of Melbourne. Business class passengers and One World Sapphire frequent flyers departing from Australia on One World Airlines other than Qantas are being refused access to the international Qantas lounges on departure. Normally, business class passengers and eligible frequent flyers travelling on One World Airlines such as Qatar Airways, American Airlines, Japan Airlines or Malaysia Airlines would have access to the Qantas International Business Class lounges in Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane. But these lounges are currently closed and Qantas hasn't said yet when they'll reopen. Qantas's first class lounges in Sydney and Melbourne are open and customers on Qantas flights that would normally have had access to the business lounges are being welcomed into the Qantas first lounge instead. But this deal does not extend to passengers travelling on other One World Airlines. 
Japan Airlines and Malaysia Airlines have alternative lounge access arrangements in place. For example, in Sydney, those passengers are being sent to the smaller Plaza Premium Lounge. But Qatar Airways is just giving business class passengers in Sydney meal vouchers, and there's no lounge access arrangement for passengers on American Airlines or Cathay Pacific. Qantas is also not currently accepting its own digital lounge invitations, like the ones that are given to silver frequent flyers or with certain credit cards, at any of its international lounges in Australia, or for some reason also not at the domestic Qantas club on the Gold Coast. Qantas frequent flyer members can now redeem points at BP, but with 1,900 Qantas points getting you just $10 worth of fuel, you probably shouldn't if you value your Qantas points. This would have to be one of the worst ways you could possibly redeem your Qantas frequent flyer points, and it's about on par with redeeming for gift vouchers and the like. Meanwhile, Qantas Frequent Flyer has just reduced the number of points needed for a hotel or holiday booking, meaning these are now better value. Hotel bookings now require 30% fewer points than before, and the number of points required for a Qantas Holidays booking has been reduced by 45%, and these are permanent changes. Qantas has started issuing refunds to frequent flyers who were incorrectly charged higher carrier charges than they should have been when booking Qantas Classic flight reward tickets to Hong Kong or the United States between early 2020 and September 2021. For quite a long period of time, Qantas had been incorrectly filing its carrier charges on flights departing from Australia to Hong Kong, Los Angeles, San Francisco and Honolulu, meaning passengers who booked Classic flight reward tickets were paying too much. Australian Frequent Flyer discovered the error and contacted Qantas about it in September last year, and the error was corrected shortly after. Despite a lengthy delay, Qantas still plans to expand its Frequent Flyer partnership with Bangkok Airways, including introducing the ability to redeem Qantas points on Bangkok Airways flights. But there's still no start date for the new partnership, which was first announced back in June of 2019. Virgin Australia has delayed the launch of flights from Sydney to Canberra, operated by Link Airways. This route was due to start at the end of last month, but has now been pushed back until at least March. World of Hyatt has offered a further uh, status extension to selected Discoverist, Explorist and Globalist members. But the majority of World of Hyatt members have not been given any status extensions going into this year, making World of Hyatt the only major hotel loyalty program not to give an automatic extension of status to its members in 2022. The Philippines will reopen its border to international tourists next week. Vaccinated tourists arriving in the Philippines from the 10th of February 2022 will not have to quarantine and will just need to get a negative COVID-19 PCR test within 48 hours before arrival. The New Zealand government has also now given an international border update this week after delaying the border reopening in that country indefinitely due to Omicron. New Zealand says that its own citizens will now be able to return from Australia with 10 days of self-isolation on arrival from the 28th of February, and citizens and eligible visa holders from other countries will be welcomed back to New Zealand from the 14th of March. Temporary visa holders and a small number of international students are to be allowed back into New Zealand from 13 April, but the New Zealand government is not yet planning to let in anyone else from Australia until at least July and won't reopen to tourists from other parts of the world until October this year, and even then the government says that tourists coming in will still have to self-isolate for 10 days on arrival. Frustratingly, this plan is also still subject to change. So New Zealanders, uh, while the New Zealand government says they currently will be allowed to come in from Australia from the 
of February. Um, New Zealanders can't really book um, flights home yet with confidence because this is not yet set in stone. And don't forget that Air New Zealand will not refund flights that it cancels, only issue credit vouchers. And today is the day that Western Australia was supposed to reopen its borders. That hasn't happened, with the Western Australian Premier Mark McGowan backtracking on this decision a few weeks ago, a decision that prompted Qantas CEO Alan Joyce yesterday to compare the state's harsh border policies to North Korea. The West Australian border is still firmly shut for now, with no date yet announced for when it will reopen. But the Western Australian government from today has expanded the range of criteria available to get an exemption to travel to the state, with 14 days of quarantine on arrival and multiple COVID-19 tests. While previously only a small number of people, such as senior government officials, were able to get an exemption to travel to Western Australia, other people that can now apply for a permit to return include Western Australian residents, people with direct strong family connections to the state, returning students, and people travelling on compassionate grounds, for example, for funerals. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. Before I get to today's interview, I wanted to give a quick reminder that February is the last month that you can transfer points from a credit card to the Singapore Airlines Chris Flyer program and earn Chris Flyer Elite Silver or Gold status. Until the end of February, you'll earn one Chris Flyer Elite Mile for every five regular Chris Flyer Miles, or their equivalent, transferred from a credit card. Now, to earn Chris Flyer Gold status, which is equivalent to Star Alliance Gold, you would need to earn 50,000 Elite Miles within 12 months. Therefore, you'd need to transfer at least 250,000 Chris Flyer Miles um, in order to get those 50,000 Elite Miles with the 5 to 1 rate. Um, and that happens to be also enough uh, Chris Fly Miles to book a return Singapore Airlines business class flight to Europe or even around the world business class trip flying with Star Alliance Airlines. Your status will initially be valid with Singapore Airlines for 12 months from the date that you reach the 50,000 elite miles target. But Singapore Airlines is also extending the status of all its Chris Flyer elite members with status expiring between March 2022 and February 2023. So if you earn status during this month, um, it would then expire in February 2023. And at that time, it'll automatically be extended for another year, getting you status until February 2024. But that's not all. For Chris Flyer members with membership years ending between March 22 and February 23, Chris Flyer is also rolling over any elite miles earned in the 12 months prior to the end of that membership year. So, once you're upgraded to gold status, if you then transferred the equivalent of another 250,000 Chris Fly miles, getting, you know, worth 50,000 elite miles, after your status is upgraded the first time, but before the end of February, you'll then earn another 50,000 elite miles, which will then roll over into your next membership year ending in February 2024. Now, that means that once February 2024 comes around, there should be enough elite miles in your account at that time to then extend your Chris Flyer Gold status for another year up to February 2025. 
Now remember, Chris Flyer Gold status doesn't just get you benefits when traveling on Singapore Airlines. You also get benefits like lounge access when traveling right across the Star Alliance network and also with Virgin Australia, which is a Singapore Airlines partner. So it's worth having if you're going to be flying with some of those airlines. Now, if this is something you'd like to take up, make sure that you start transferring your credit card points to Chris Flyer ASAP. That's because transfers can take a few days or even weeks to come through, so don't leave it at last minute. Remember, the Chris Flyer miles will need to arrive in your account by the end of February um, for you to get those elite miles. If you're not already an Australian Frequent Flyer member, you're missing out on participating in Australia's largest online discussion forum for frequent flyers. The AFF Community Forum is a goldmine of useful resources on travel, loyalty programs, credit cards and so much more. You can learn and ask questions about frequent flyer points, discover unique travel tips by reading our members' trip reports, or even find a great wine deal. By becoming an Australian Frequent Flyer member, you don't just get to participate in our lively forums. You can also send messages to other AFF members, access exclusive AFF offers and services, and you'll see fewer advertisements when browsing the site. And the best part, joining AFF is 100% free. If you're not already a member, visit australianfrequentflyer.com.au forward slash register. Many Australians are understandably a little bit worried about travelling overseas at the moment in case they catch COVID-19 while they're away. Unfortunately, this is exactly what happened to Australian Frequent Flyer Forum moderator Bill McCubbin, whose AFF handle is Straitman, on a recent trip to Fiji. A retired pilot, Bill has since recovered from his COVID-19 infection and was able to return this week to his home in Victoria, and he's been kind enough to join me on this episode of AFF On Air. Welcome, Bill. Thank you, Matt. Pleasure to be here. So I know you were pretty keen um, once the borders reopened to travel to Fiji. First of all, why did you choose Fiji and who were you travelling with? We always go to Fiji a couple of times a year normally when we can. And uh, because we go to a particular timeshare resort there, we've got lots of friends in various villages and around the place. And it's just a good, low-key, inexpensive uh, place to go. I was travelling with my wife. Uh, Sue and 17-year-old grandson Brody. Okay, so a nice little family trip there. And were you concerned before you went about COVID? Oh, yeah, we, we looked into that in detail. And in fact, going back to when I originally booked this, it was before everything was fully open. And I was about 30% optimistic that it would occur. But yeah. I've, like many people around the place, got lots of credits around uh, with various airlines, so let's make a booking for something, and if it falls over, we're no worse off than we currently are. And as time went by, it got much easier and simpler, and it all just fell into place, so why not keep going? Yeah, Fiji's orders, uh, borders opened up just about a month before you went, which is good timing, I guess. And so tell me about the first few weeks of your holiday before you got COVID. Where were you staying, and how was it? Not quite where to, sure where to start with this because the the whole saga to get there. So I might just backpedal a little bit sure. if I may. Um, we had an eight a.m. flight out of Melbourne on Virgin to Nandi, which meant because they now want people to check in four hours early, we had to be there at stupid o'clock early, and uh, so we we actually got over to check in at about five, went through. Got airside, the flight was already going to be a few minutes late, but that's all right. Got on board 
And then in turn, we were delayed three hours as one of the cabin crew had an issue, which turned out was COVID positive. Oh, okay. Then the replacement cabin crew had to do a test and also came out as COVID positive. So we were off to a really good start. A bit of an omen for what's to come, I guess. Yes, it was because we copped everything on this trip. Yeah. So we eventually get into Nandy at uh, 4 p.m. instead of 1 p.m. Got met by our driver because we have a two and a half hour drive down to Pacific Harbour to get there. Fortunately, the driver we knew from previous times, he's uh, very, very good at what he does. Uh, because I am so glad we went driving. That was the 8th of January. And that was a couple of days before Cyclone Cody hit full on to the west coast of the main island there. Mm -hmm. But we copped mega amounts of heavy rain and weather all the way down. So I'm glad it was uh, Illy driving and not me. But we finally got there at about quarter past eight. And uh, thankfully, it was good. And wasn't there also a volcanic eruption in Tonga and a tsunami warning at that time? Uh, in, so basically we had all that. So then we had a few days of heavy rain. Then the following um, Friday, I think it was, on the 15th, we're sitting in our apartment and suddenly the whole place rattled and shook and, and there was lots of loud noise and went outside and it kept going. And, this, and we were 400 nautical miles or 750 kilometres away from Tonga, but we heard and felt the whole thing. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> uh, there was a minor tsunami warning for Fiji, but there was plenty of islands in between, so Fiji actually cancelled for our area very quickly, the tsunami need. So, anyways, put simply, we had a, a nice uh, couple of weeks, nice little resort. As I said, we know most of the staff. We have a good time on the beach or at the pool or going for a walk up through the golf course, etc. Until on the Sunday morning, the 23rd, our grandson got up in the morning and said, I feel, don't feel very well. I feel like after I had my second shot of uh, the Pfizer vaccine. Mm. I said, would you like to do a, an RA test? Yes, please. So he did it and he came up as a mild positive. Uh, and then it began. Then it began. Well, I, I'd actually been off colour for a few days before that and I'd done a test five days earlier, which came back negative. So I said, oh, well, just for spec, I'll do another one. So I did it, and mine came back, bang, strong positive. So, And then and your wife was also with you. Did she get it as well? Uh, she was sort of a very weak positive or sort of a, a, a non-defined sort of result. And they, uh, if, if the result is not showing up as uh, – there's a word I'm looking for just there – it's not – coming through properly, it's defined as a positive by the Australian government. So the easy way was we just all isolate. So inconclusive, was it? Inconclusive is the word I was looking for, yes. Okay. And so, like, were you okay? Like, did you did you get, like, badly sick or anything or was it just a matter of isolating for the seven days then? I had it the worst of the three of us and between Panadol four hourly and ibuprofen, the alternate four hours, I controlled the aches and pains. Uh, I had a bit of a cough. I was sleeping more than normal. Other than that, two days worth of that, and after about three or four days of that, I was over the worst of it, and Sue and Brody did not have an issue at that point. Oh, that's good. So the vaccines did their job then in 
like keeping you from being really sick. I think so. I hope so. I believe so. Yeah, oh, that's good. And what about the hotel staff? So you obviously would have had to then stay at the hotel like around your room for while you're in isolation. Did the staff look after you well at the hotel? Yeah, we're in a very small timeshare resort, at, as I said, at Pacific Harbour. It only has 32 units and we're actually in a block of six units at this stage right at one end of the resort. So there was nobody around us. And we had our own little area of gardens and stuff that we could uh, walk out and wander around in, uh, making sure that if there was anybody around, we just came straight back in. And that was well within any of the rules that were uh, applicable at the time. Uh, But we didn't venture far from the actual room, but we weren't strictly stuck in the room, which was brilliant. If we needed... Now, I'm saying we had a two-bedroom apartment with a full kitchen, so... We could cater for ourselves reasonably well. If we wanted anything in the evening from the bar, restaurant area, we could just ring up and they would deliver the food out onto the the patio. And uh, if we wanted groceries, somebody would go to the nearest town or grocery store and get stuff for us, even to the point that the manager drove to Navoa, the next major town down the road, and bought us lamb chops for Australia Day. Oh, that's nice. Yes, Oh, that's good. It sounds like you had a kind of an okay time. Um, unfortunately, there have been some other horror stories um, from other people that have been to Fiji in recent months uh, who also got COVID while they were there, or, or at least were told they got COVID while they were there. And like we had someone on AFF a few weeks ago who was unable to return home for weeks because they couldn't get a PCR test and, you know, just with some technicalities and some inflexible Australian government reg- um, regulations. Um, the Australian government did recently change its entry rules um, to allow uh, negative rapid antigen tests to be used to come back rather than just a PCR test and also shorten the, the amount of time you had to wait after a positive PCR test. So did that make it a bit easier for you in coming home? Yeah, we were actually fortunate. The new rules came in at 1am on the day that we came up positive. All oh, right. The, the new rules were just so simple. It was literally, all right, you are positive. You must isolate for seven days. And so long as you have no symptoms for the final 72 hours, the doctor uh, can sign off a, a letter saying, yes, you were COVID positive and in accordance with the Australian rules, uh, you've, they have been individually clear for 72 hours and there is no further requirement for another test. And that applies for 28 days from that first uh, time that comes up. So the funny thing about this is, so as far as the Australian government's concerned, right now we don't have to do another test at any point, but Victorian government still needs us to do a test on day one and day six after we get back. Oh, is that rule still in place? Yes. Oh, okay. So you did, did you have to get a test before you flew out of Nandy back to Melbourne? No, after we didn't. That? You didn't have to at all? No. Well, in the end, the doctor made a mistake and she gave us a rapid antigen test, which proved that we were negative but there was no actual requirement for her to do that. Okay. And then I guess you just had to get the Australia Travel Declaration and the Victorian International Passenger Permit thing? Correct, yes. Yeah. Okay. But it doesn't sound like it was too difficult or too complicated for you. The the only complicated one is the Australian Travel Declaration, which requires all sorts of information. Yeah, the exact dates of your COVID vaccines and Mm. a whole bunch of other thing, just about everything except the colour of your socks and when you change them, literally. So they were a little bit time-consuming and I actually got them wrong at one stage, so I deleted the whole, all three of them and started again. It was another half hour out of our seven days to kill. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but it, it doesn't sound like really you've had a horror story. It sounds like I, overall you've had a reason, as much as you can, a reasonably good experience over there. Oh yeah, we we we've got no real qualms about it. It, it was a great place to if you're going to be sick somewhere. We had a a good place, and we had a, a good, sensible, practical doctor available in, in whenever we needed her. And Bill, how was the experience um, at Nandy Airport when you flew back to Melbourne? Very simple, easy process. Of course, there's not a lot of people. There was only our flight was the only flight in the next few hours, but. There's only one set of doors open but and they want to see your vaccine certificate to even get you through the doors. But from there is, uh, yes, all right, where, what are you doing? Where are you going, business class or, or whatever? And pointed us off at the priority line and we waited a couple of minutes there. And it was, right, vaccine certificate again, doctor certificate, boom, boom, boom. And they knew exactly what they were doing, exactly what they were looking for and... It really only took two or three minutes longer than normal. Our grandson, who was travelling with us, his vaccination certificate initially opened a couple of eyes because it he was vaccinated with Pfizer in Panama. And the primary cover page of his certificate is in Spanish with smaller print for English. And there was a few funny-looking faces initially until we pointed out, right, that's the there's the dates, that's the correct information. They said, oh, oh, thank you, and very accepting. It wasn't an issue. And he used that certificate coming into Australia from Europe in December, and there was no issue. So I figured I knew there was going to be no issue, but it was just something that they weren't uh, expecting or aware of, but very accepting once it was pointed out to them. And so... In fact, because there was nobody around, it then uh, made that whole process very, very simple and straight through security without any great issues and uh, straight up to the lounge. And the new Fiji Airways premium lounge, I have to say, is very, very good. Oh, that's good. There have been some stories floating around from uh, over the last month about certain hotels in Fiji, and I won't name them, but there was one in particular that was giving people, um, well, people were having to get PCR tests there, and a lot of the results were coming back, like an unusually high number were coming back as a, as a false positive. So they weren't actually sick, but they were coming back as a positive, and then the hotel was putting these people up in isolation rooms, quite expensive isolation rooms, I might add, for seven days. But I'm not sure whether this is due to faulty testing equipment or whether it was an insurance scam, but have you heard about that? happening do you have any thoughts on that i i had heard about it and i i read a bit on aff and i, I read a bit on a, a holiday in fiji discussion facebook group and so forth but uh i i can't comment personally about them because it was all mostly secondhand information the only exception to that was uh, a friend of my sister's was at one resort that that got a mention and there was massive denials, but she actually confirms there was an issue. And uh, once again, that was back when it was harder to get back into Australia and their life was made pretty miserable. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, hopefully it's just um, a very, very small number of hotels and, or, or none at all um, yes. that are that are now, um, you know, causing issues for people like that. Well, 
just finally, Bill, then with the benefit of hindsight, knowing what you know now that you did that you did get COVID while you were over in Fiji, would you still have gone? Absolutely, because my understanding was less people in that area getting COVID than there are where I live here in Sale in Victoria. Right. And would you recommend a holiday to Fiji to other Australians at the moment? Yeah, look, the, the rules as laid down by the Fiji government are crystal clear and they're not changing every five minutes like a lot of rules here are. Uh, they have been tweaked a few times, but the tweaks are always positive tweaks and they're doing a damn good job of it. They really are. Whereas Australia, I, sorry, sorry, folks, but I think it's a monumental mess at the moment. So we more than happily go back again. In fact, we are booked to, for, for April, but I, for other reasons, I suspect we won't get there in April. Okay. Oh, well, good to hear. Well, Bill, thank you very much for coming on the AFF on Air podcast and sharing your experience with me. No worries. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. If you'd like to read more about Bill's trip to Fiji and see a few photos, he's written a trip report on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, which I've linked in the podcast notes for this episode. It's called Our Fiji Trip January 2022. By the way, if you've recently travelled overseas and would like to share your experience with me on a future episode of this podcast, do feel free to get in touch. You can send me an email or post in the AFF on-air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum. And we have had some feedback in that thread from last fortnight's episode. Round the World Traveller, or the, the handle is RTW Traveller, writes, We travelled to Munich, Milan, Zurich and San Francisco for Christmas and New Year. We are in our 70s and had no fear of travelling in Europe. Just be aware of where you are. Stop in Zurich first to get your digital COVID pass and have fun. Well, it's really great uh, to hear that you had a good time. And um, yeah, hopefully more people will be able to um, get out there and experience overseas travel very soon. And that's all for this episode of AFF On Air. Thanks again to my guest, Bill McCubbin, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes. Here you'll also find a link to the AFF On Air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum where you're welcome to discuss the podcast or ask me a question to be answered in a future episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd take just a minute to review AFF On Air on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every episode as soon as it's released. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, safe travels. Safe travels.